read. I want you to uh, rest your eyes on verse 10 of chapter 2. Amen. When all the generations had gathered, been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord, nor the works which he had done for Israel. Let us pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you that he convicts us when we're wrong. We thank you, O Lord, that he not only convicts, but he corrects us. And Father, we thank you for that he's also the one who comes alongside us, who gives us calm in the midst of our storms. Father, we need your peace. And as we are yielding to you today, minister to us so that we don't leave the same way we came in. We ask these things in Jesus' name. The church said amen. 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 Praise the Lord. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I shared this story with you uh, some time ago. If you, Some of you may remember it about a, a multi-billionaire who had become very successful because of the building industry. He was involved uh, with picking uh, great architects who not only knew how to design properties for him, but they also oversaw the completion of the projects. This particular multi-billionaire, and he didn't get it by winning the mega lottery. Uh, <laughs> amen. I hope you didn't use the Lord's money <laughs> to play the lottery. But in any event, uh, he uh, decided that the architect who had blessed him the most, that was most skilled and lauded throughout the world for his architectural craftsmanship, he decided that he would surprise him. And he informed the architect that he needed to meet with him. He said, I'm going out of the country. I'll be gone for an extended period of time. I will not be available. You will not be able to reach me for an entire year. But I want you to build a house for me that is your absolute dream house and build it in such a way that you would do it if it was for yourself. And he said, expense is not an item. I'm giving you a blank check. Whatever you want to purchase to make this house the way that you would want it, uh, just go for it. And so the billionaire leaves. And uh, like he said, he was unreachable. And the architect was just amazed that he never had a job where there was an absolute blank check. He could go and buy whatever he wanted. And so about halfway into the project, he decided, what do you mean he's going to let me spend this money any kind of way I want to? So he started cutting corners. So he had price markups, and then he kept the difference for himself. But the project was finished. The billionaire came back, and he was shown the home. And he was absolutely astounded by the stunning appearance of the home. It was like nothing he had ever seen. And he looked at the build. The architect said, man, I, I knew you could do it. This is incredible. Uh, I, 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 everybody, we need to take pictures. We need to let this thing go, go you know, live stream and, and so forth. And uh, then he said, by the way, took out a pair, set of keys, and he handed them to the architect. 
He said, this is your house. He didn't realize that the dream house that he was building was really his. And if he had known it was his, he would not have cut corners. He would have realized that everything that he did each day that that house was being built, it was counting towards the future because the future was now. That's what legacy is like. It's like the dream house that we spend our entire lives building, but nobody told us that's what we were doing. And then when we stand before the Lord, he said, by the way, here are the keys. See what you built? See what you built. Today marks the beginning of a new series that I'm entitling Legacy Now. Legacy Now. Say Legacy Now. Building a bridge to the future by making disciples who make disciples. Legacy now. It starts today. The future is not tomorrow. The seeds that you sow today determine your future. So your future is in the, in the soil. It's in the ground. Amen. And every one of us is going to leave a legacy. It can be a good one. It can be a bad one. You're building this house. God has equipped you. He's given, equipped you. Every one of us has been given spiritual gifts and talent. We have been given a portion of life, health, and strength to build. He says, I have chosen you before the foundation of the earth to do good works. You are my handiwork, and you have a specific, particular assignment from God, and that assignment is to leave a legacy. Now, we're going to start kind of going back words to our chapter in Judges chapter 2. But I, I know that if I'd heard a sermon like this when I was much younger, when I was instead of 25, if what I'd heard when I was 23, I might, <laughs> might have made some other choices. Uh, you had a hard life, Pastor. Okay, amen. Praise the Lord. So did you. So did you. <laughs> amen. Amen. But I want to begin with uh, giving a definition of legacy, and I'm going to make a, a distinction between how the dictionary defines it and what godly legacy looks like, what it should look like in your life. Uh, you don't want to be that dog that's just chasing a rabbit on the track, on a racetrack, and the, the rabbit's dead, and all they're doing is making money off of you running after a dead animal. And our life can be like that. We're chasing. We're climbing a ladder to success. And then you finally get to the top, and you realize the ladder is on the wrong building. What is legacy? A godly legacy focuses on what will endure, what will last, what will last after you breathe your last, what will extend beyond your breath. It is about passing on things of lasting value to those who will live after us, who will live after us. We ain't thinking about nobody living after me. I'm trying to live. We ain't going to talk about death and dying today. You ain't come to church here about that. Your future is now. Legacy involves living intentionally and aiming to build into the next generation for success. It's being intentional. Legacy focuses on blessing people beyond the grave. What do you want said of you? What mark are you making that will extend beyond the heartbeat that is pumping in your chest today? Beyond your family. This is not, oh, my family will always remember me. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. 
But God didn't put us on the planet just to exist, to be on a treadmill, to be in a, a revolving door. God has placed you in this planet because there's something specific assigned to you that no one else out of all of the 8 billion people that live on this planet can accomplish. It was you were given a job to do. Now, I believe that the Apostle Paul nails what legacy is in Scripture in terms of how we need to understand it. We need to get this. And, and this is one of my favorite passages in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18, where the Apostle Paul gives principles about legacy, how he, what he does, he con contrasts worldly legacy with godly legacy. Now, listen at this, and let me see if you can catch the contrast as we go through the past. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. We don't get discouraged. We don't get depressed. We don't throw up our hands, not giving up, putting up the white flag. He said, even though our outward man perishes, temporal, say temporal. Here's the contrast. Watch it. The inward man is being renewed day by day. We're being transformed continuously every single day so that from the inside out, we're being made to look like Jesus. He who began a good work is going to complete it until the day of redemption. Then Paul said, but work out your own soul style. Work out what God has already worked in. We're being renewed. We're being transformed. We're being, the word transformed means to be metamorphosized, changed from one form to another, from one nature to another. We're becoming more and more like Jesus every day. And so one is temporal. We're perishing. The inward man is not perishing, it's being renewed. He says these light afflictions, which are but for a moment, whatever you're going through right now, it didn't come to stay, it came to pass. Temporal, these light afflictions. This brother was in jail. He had been beaten. He had been shipwrecked. He had been stripped of his clothes. He had gone without food for days just because he preached Christ, and yet he called it light afflictions. And he said, those that lasted for sometimes months at a time, momentary. Momentary. He said, is working for us a far more exceeding, and here it is, that here's the eternal contrasted with the temporal. Light of fiction for a moment, but what we, how we surrender and yield to the Lord as I'm going through, he says, is working toward, working for us a far more exceeding, and eternal way to glory. We're going to get, God is going to bless us. In the future, legacy is now, but the reward is in the future for us and for those who come behind us. While we do not look at the things that are seen, for the things that we see are perishing, but that which is unseen is eternal. So this is a contract. What we see, everything that you see, the chair you're sitting in, uh, the people that you're looking at, that's, we're passing away. But what we, the unseen, the spirit man, the, the, the one who's created in the image and the likeness of God is not, will never perish. And so if I'm going to make an investment, I'm not going to make an investment in what, what rust and moths can destroy. I'm going to send my timber, my, 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 my inheritance. I'm going to send it towards that which is eternal. Unfortunately, we spend most of our lives focusing on the temporal. Focusing on the temporal. How do I look? What do people think? Why did they say that? Why didn't they include me? And God is saying, walk by faith, not by sight. Look with the eyes of spirit. Let me, let me, let me, uh, 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 a godly legacy is different from 
uh, what we often think of. A godly legacy may include material blessings such as money or other investments. Uh, it's interesting when you talk about inheritance. Uh-oh, <laughs> You remember the story of the prodigal son when he came to his father and he said, give me money. Give me my inheritance. You know, the inheritance wasn't supposed to come until after the person died. He said, Lord, cash, the father, cash in your life insurance. Give it to me now. And so when we think about inheritance, when we think about legacy, we're often thinking about, uh, we're often thinking about material things. Now, you are not going to find the word legacy in the Bible. It's not there. You'll find the word inheritance. You'll find, you will find the word where it talks about birthright. You'll find a word uh, like bequeathed. You'll, you'll find a word like entrusted. And so those words are synonyms for our word legacy, that which we leave behind that has enduring value that which blesses people beyond the grave. You still with me? Stay with me now. We, we going somewhere? Here's what the Bible says about legacy, and, and here's the word. In, in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22, it says, A good man, say a good man, leaves an inheritance for his grandchildren, for his children's children. And I just want to focus on that part of the verse because the other part says, But the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. And so I was like, man, somebody win the lottery. They won it, but the, but the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. So I take these. Okay, anyway, mm, that, that's another sermon. So, so the scripture says that a good man, a godly person, let's make it women and men, because sometimes you have single parent family homes. A good, a, a godly Christian will leave something for their for their children. Now. Well, I want you to understand that that is not always material. It's not always money. Your parents may not have lived in a house. They may not have owned a car, et cetera. But that doesn't mean you cannot leave an inheritance that, is, that generations benefit from. Amen. So, well, how could it be an inheritance? <laughs> I can't spend it. I can't taste it. I can't drive in it. Well, remember the story... Uh, this, is, this occurred actually in Matthew's chapter 8, verses 18 through 20. There's a scribe, a, a lawyer, who came to Jesus and said, Jesus, I want to follow you wherever you go. Let's do this, Jesus. I'm going to ride with you. Let's do this. And Jesus said, well, let me inform you. Foxes have holes. Birds even have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Well, Jesus is saying, I don't have a house. Uh, I don't have material possessions. In fact, just think about this. When Jesus died on the cross, the only two things he owned, he earned the, owned the garment that, was, that covered him, that the, that the soldiers gambled over, and he owned what was called a katan. A katan was his undergarment. The katan was made by the mother of a son, and it was given to the son when he became a, a, an adult, and it was the mother's way of saying, you're a man now. So she gave him. That's the only thing he owned. The question is, if Jesus didn't own a house, he wasn't driving a chariot, he had no money in the bank, how could he leave us an inheritance? Well, we have a greater inheritance than you could ever imagine. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and to give you life more abundantly. 
He also said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be there also in my father's house. The inheritance that I have for you is spiritual. You will not totally experience it in this world, but I, I left here with nothing. But I went to prepare that you could have everything. But in order for that to happen, I had to become rich. I had to become poor in order for you to become rich. And so an inheritance is not always material. Sometimes it's, it's something very, very small. Let me go on. I'm just uh, kind of laying the, the groundwork here. God's people should have something that you're passing on. You should have something that you're passing on. I, I've been at services where all that a family got from their loved one that was left in terms of a good man leaving the inheritance was just a letter, uh, a video, a, a, a handprint. Uh, it, it was nothing material, but I, I remember when my, my spiritual dad died. Man, I was devastated. And... Uh, it was a couple weeks after he died. All I wanted to hear was his voice. And he had this distinct way he answered the phone. Holy greetings. Holy greetings. He had this real deep voice. And so I decided, let me call his number. Just, just to, I'm going to record his voice so I'll have it whenever. And I called, and the number had been disconnected, and his voice was gone. You can leave something. For generations, that's what a good man does. That's what a good person does. God's people are not required to leave all their material possessions to their children. If you're married, your first obligation <laughs> is to your spouse. Amen. Amen. Now, I don't know how many bedsides I've stood at. As the wife or the husband is breathing their last, and I'm wondering, why are you trying to keep this man alive? Picking up, in the name of Jesus, you shall not die. In the name of Jesus, God, the devil can't have you. Picking the man up out of the bed, try, holding his hand, trying to make him sign a document. Because they come to understand that after that person has died, if everything has been bequeathed to their children, you get nothing. Not only do you get nothing, you have no access to accounts. And if the house is in their name and the, and the, children, are their, the children are the ones indicated on the will, if they don't like you, you moving. You out. I'm standing there. How long you been married? 35 years. What's your wife's account number? I don't know. How much you got? I don't know. Uh, how would you get access to the, 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 uh, her code? I don't know. And here you are, married 35 years, and you don't have access. You can't pay any bills. They come and get your stuff. Not that you don't have the money. You, the, the people who have the information are the children. That's not your primary obligation if you're a man and a wife who are married. Your, your first obligation, your first obligation is to your spouse. You shouldn't keep those kind of secrets. Your spouse should know where your funds are. Kind of quiet up in here. <laughs> what happened, Holy Ghost? Oh, Lord. Jesus, what I say? <laughs> Whoa! I want you to understand when people die and you can't speak for yourself, folks go crazy. I know she got money. No, you don't. But you, you, they, you, they thought you did because of how you lived. You got debt. You don't have money. 
and they about to kill each other trying to get money where there's no blood in that vein. You can't get blood out of a turnip. Tell your mate how to access your resources. The Bible says the two become one. The only inseparable permanent relationship on earth that God ever established is not between a child and a parent, but between a husband and a wife. Well, I can't wait until, okay. Daddy going, that's going to be my house. No, no, no. Devastating. It's embarrassing. Here's another thing, coming under that same principle that it's always inheritance, uh, a legacy is not always material. Godly people focus on, godly people focus on living in the present for Christ because the future is now. The Bible says this, we focus on living for Christ in the present because we understand that the future is today. The scripture says, be not deceived. God is not my, what you sow, you shall also reap. You don't expect to be reaping a harvest when you never planted anything. Well, I'm just waiting into the fall and the summer, and it's just going to come forth. I spoke it into existence. You just spoke. It didn't come into existence because if, if you didn't sow it. So you need to be living in the present as if it's the future because the present will determine your future. Don't get deceived. I hear, I know what these preachers are saying. It, to name it and claim it and declare it in Jesus' name. And it is done. No, it is not done. You better plant something and you better cultivate it. And then as you're cultivating, believe God for the manifestation of it because you, what you sowed, you will reap. If you sow corruption into your marriage, guess what? You're not going to have a great marriage. You're going to have a horrible marriage. There's nothing wrong with marriage. It's what you've sown in your marriage. There's nothing wrong with the scripture. It's how you responded to the scripture. The Bible is still true. What you sow in the present is what you're going to reap. What are you sowing? Jesus, the, the, the Paul says, be not deceived, God's not mine. Whatsoever we sow as we are, if you sow to the flesh, you shall of the flesh reap corruption. But if you sow into the spirit realm, you shall through the spirit realm reap life everlasting. You will have eternal benefits. What are you sowing? Godly legacy is, is primarily spiritual. Oh, there's so much, man. This thing made me crazy. I'm going through it. I said, Lord, why didn't I know this? I had all these children. Why didn't you tell me this before all these four grass, wait for these wonderful children are a gift and inheritance from the Lord? I love my kids. I do. I wish I had known better. Not because of any trouble I had with them. I would have done better by them. Somebody say amen. I know some of you were perfect parents. Come on. Oh, yeah. I wasn't a perfect parent. Amen. Amen. Listen to the scripture. This is it. Godly legacy is primary spirit. This is 1 Timothy chapter 17, chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. You will have to listen to this sermon again. There's a lot. So let me, let me just read the passage. Tell those who are rich, do not be proud and not trust in their money, which is, will soon be gone. Temporal, okay? Now I'm going to jump down to verse 19. It says, 
uh, verse 18 says, tell them to use their money to do good because, verse 19, by doing these things, we will be storing up real treasure. Here it goes, legacy, for themselves in heaven. It is the only safe investment for eternity, and they will be living fruitful Christians' lives down here. In other words, as we are storing up for the future, God is going to bless you in the present. Focus on spiritual legacy, that which will last beyond you. One of the things that uh, when you get a chance in 2 Kings chapter 8 is a very unusual scene. Elisha the prophet has died, and his tomb, inside of his tomb are his decayed bones. And there's a group of people, they are preparing to bury a friend. And as they're carrying him to the cemetery, a group of raiders, robbers, they, can, they see them on the horizon. And so they, they're afraid that they're going to rob them. So they just drop their friend who died in the nearest available tomb. And the tomb happened to be the tomb of Elisha. And the Bible says, <laughs> when the dead man touched the bones of the prophet who was dead, that he was caused to come back. He was resurrected from the dead bones of the prophet Elijah. So the prophet Elisha, although he was dead, he was able to bless beyond his grave. What will people be able to touch in your life that will give them life after you're gone? Will they be able to touch and look at your marriage and say, I want to quit, but when I think about the bones of my family, my parents' marriage, I can't give up. When they talk about uh, how to develop your future, when I think about the discipline in my parents' lives and how they made a future, uh, a living for themselves, I'm touching the bones of Elisha, even though my parents are gone. I'm getting life out of their bones. I'm getting life out of what they, they died, but they left something behind. The bones of Elisha gave life to a dead man. Anything dead in your life? Legacy will give you life. Legacy will give you hope. Legacy will keep you from giving up. Legacy will make you run when you feel like quitting. I want you to understand that the Lord has called you to lead. Now, why, why, why is legacy so important for the future? Why we need to understand that the future is now? I'm glad you asked. Let's go down to our passage. Let's look at the passage in Judges chapter 2, verses 7 through 10. This is going to blow you away. Listen to this. So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua. Say all the days of Joshua. And the days of the elders who outlived Joshua. So Joshua was the success. He succeeded Moses. He took the people into the promised land. They crossed the Jordan. God caused the Jordan just like the Red Sea. God caused the Jordan. And this is what God does when he calls you to be a leader. He will authenticate your leadership. So just like you said, I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. And so he parted the Jordan River, the people crossed over, and they, they began to defeat the people that were in the land. And the Bible says that those who were part of Joshua's generation, even after he died, the elders who outlived Joshua, they continued to serve the Lord. And watch this, who had seen, say who had seen, all the great works of the Lord, which he had done, in, done for Israel. Oh, my goodness. I want you to know why it's important that we get this. Going back to the passage, uh, the first thing that we need to understand, bad choices 
in the present expose the next generation to, the, your, to consequences. Your choices will expose the next generation to con the consequences of those choices. Now, in verse, verse 1b, it says, going back to chapter 2, it says, I led you up from Egypt, and I brought you out of the land of which I swore to you. God speaking. Therefore, I said, I will, and he told them to drive out all the people. Don't settle until you drive all those heathens out and so that you won't be persuaded and influenced by their false gods. He said, therefore, I also said, I will not drive them out because, because before you, but, you shall, but they shall be thorns in your side and their gods shall be snares to you. Instead of obeying God by driving the people out before they settle, they settle down without driving the people out. And so, God, your bad choices, the consequences is they will be a thorn to you. Their gods will be a snare. Guess who the gods ended up capturing the hearts of? Their children. So our bad choices in the present will impact generations. See, the devil ain't just thinking about you. It's beyond, get, let's get over ourselves. The devil's looking at generations. When somebody gets murdered, they didn't just kill one person. They killed a generation. They killed a destiny. They killed a purpose. They killed a vision. The devil, that's what I'm about. He comes to kill still. And so how are you going to destroy something to kill? Because he's coming after your generation. He's coming after your seed. Your bad choices in the present, what you're deciding to do today, will impact those who come behind you. They will, your, your bad choices as a Christian will impact those who are not saved. You are a written epistle being read of men. They're seeing what Jesus is like by how you act. Bad choices. He said, because you didn't drive the people out, the people in the land will be a thorn and a snare. But here's another thing. Blessings can blind you from the needs of others. After the people... The angel of the Lord spoke to the people in verses 1 through 5. The Bible said they start crying and, and repenting. Oh, God, you know how we do. He's not me crying. I'm sorry. We ain't doing it no more. And then the scripture says, listen to what the scripture says in verse 5. It says, um, it says that Israel went each to his own inheritance to possess the land. This is the last time in the book of Judge, Judges that you, really, you read of the people coming together for corporate worship. So they leave crying, and what they do, they go home and chill. <laughs> they go home into their inheritance. They, get, they, they go, this is now. So they're so busy enjoying their inheritance, enjoying their blessing, that they don't, need, they don't worship. They don't, they don't, they're, not, they're, not, they're not practicing what, what, they, what they were told, told to do in Deuteronomy. And so blessings can blind you of your needs. You, you're so busy having such, doing your thing. You worked all your life. You deserve a break today, don't you? You only go around once, don't you? You eat and drink and get married. That's what the Bible say. So they went to, an, you know, why can't I celebrate? I work all the time. But in your work, you never are on a vacation from living for Jesus. Does that make sense? That blessings can blind you from the needs of others. You're doing so well, you ain't thinking about what's going on in Wilmington. You just roll up your, you got dark colored uh, tenant windows. You sliding out there, I ain't going to drive there at night. Those people are crazy. There ain't something wrong with those people in Wilmington. I definitely ain't going to Philadelphia. I can buy, find me some cheesesteaks somewhere else. Blessings give you options. 
Blessings allow you to have multiple vacations. You don't have to do what you used to do. You know, we, 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 I had one set of clothes. I wore it seven days a week, and I had ink pens in the pocket. I was, man, you couldn't tell me I wasn't important. <laughs> and it was one of those, one, with those flip jackets. You could wear on one side one day, striped, and on the other side it was plain. <laughs> yeah. But the blessings that we have now, we have so many options that we aren't burdened for people that are lost. We aren't burdened for people that are struggling. We're more concerned about a scratch on our car than somebody busting hell wide open. When the last time we cried over a sinner? When the last time you prayed for the salvation of somebody who don't know Jesus? Blessings can blind you sitting right next to somebody who's contemplating suicide, and you just think about, I can't wait to get home to see the game. I hope he don't take too long. Here's how we, the Lord's been giving us all this technology. We spend our entire day at home. We ain't talking to each other. We ain't holding each other's hands. I tell folks, if I'm paying for your dinner, you put the device down or else you're paying. This is, this is a blessing but a curse. So you're blind and you don't even know that the building is burned down and carried out dead bodies. You're still trying to check the scores. They're blessing. They went home to enjoy their inheritance. Is that what you're doing? You just want to get to church. You'll get a night. Good word, good word. Let me get in my car. Yeah, I just get home and make sure the heat's all right. And I still got my crock pot on. And Here's another issue about the future being now. Basing your present service to the Lord on past blessings can hinder you from sharing a relevant testimony to this generation. Watch this. This one, this one really, dude, this, this tore me up. In verse 7 it says, so the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua. That's good, isn't it? And all the days of the elders who outlived them, they served the Lord. But watch this. Here's the problem. Who had seen all of the great works of the Lord, which he had done. This wasn't based on what God was doing. They were basing their service on the Lord for what he did for them, leading them out of Egypt. They said, well, 10 years ago, I tell you about the plagues. I tell you about how we walked through the Red Sea, but now you've been in the wilderness for 40 years. You're still talking about 40 years ago? And so the, trying to live today on yesterday's food, on yesterday's blessing, can be a turnoff to the generation that wants to know, what did God do for you now? What is your today blessing? What, what, what's fresh about your, your walk with God today? He said what God had done, they remembered and they saw it. They live long enough to see the deliverance. But are you living on yesterday's blessing? Well, church used to be so good. And man, we used to, we used to what? What about today? You ought to have a song of Moses, but you also have, should have a song of the land. <laughs> What's your new song? What's your new song? What's God doing for you right now that you couldn't do for yourself? Let's get over the past. I'm thank God I can look back. I don't have to wonder. I know how I got over, but he's still making a way. Somebody say he's still making a way. 
I still need the Lord Jesus in every moment of my walk with him. What is God doing for you in the present? Basing how you serve today on what God did for you, it's like eating a 10-year-old meal. Man, that meal was good. It's 10 years old. That's nasty. Let me, let me share this final thing. Building an godly legacy by recognizing the future is now, it doesn't happen accidentally. The Bible says, after Joshua died and the generation that knew him and saw the works of God died, a new generation came they did not know. They weren't saved and they didn't believe because they didn't know the works of God. It's not accident, it will not happen by accident that your children will want to come to church, that your children will want to read the Bible. Well, I'm going to make them come to church like I had to. I didn't have to do it. Then you make them go to school, don't you? You make the little, take a bath, don't you? You make sure they eat, because if they don't, the, 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 the Department of Human Services is coming after you. And so a generation arose. We live in that time now where our children have walked away from God because we haven't told them about God. But the scripture said, well, I sent them to church. You didn't go with them, but you sent them. I said, a parents, train up your child in the way that they should go. And when they are old, they will not depart. One of the greatest blessings in my life is that God gave me the privilege. I led all four of my children to Jesus. All four of them, because I wanted them to know. I didn't want them to be like the generation that followed Joshua's generation. I wanted them to know that the works of God is why we are here where we are today. God did it. It's not accidental. You got to bring your kids to church. You got to get on your knees and pray with them. You got to teach them. scripture. You don't have to teach them how to cuss. They're going to learn that. Well, I'm going to teach them how to kickbox. I'm going to teach them karate. They know how to fight. They know how to start fights, too. Teach them how to make money. Yeah, they make money, but they hate, they hate themselves. They have to take medication now. They got to see a therapist. I'm talking about children. And nothing wrong with seeing therapists. Okay, you know, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. What I'm saying is that we have sacrificed teaching our kids about Jesus and we've substituted things for Christ. Are you still with me? Okay, we, we, now how, how, how do you leave a godly legacy? And this is just the first part of all this. First of all, and write this down. Psalm chapter 140, Psalm 141 verse 4, it says, One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty works. The first thing it says, it said, one generation, your generation, the one that we live in, will praise, will celebrate God, God's works to another. So the first thing that you need to begin come to practice doing is not when you come to church, let's praise the Lord. That's not natural because you don't ever do it. But if you're in the habit of praising God, it's just like breathing. Amen? Amen, amen. So he says, one generation shall praise. So you want to leave a godly legacy Practice praise. Practice bragging on God. 
practice saying, God, you're worthy. You're, you're, you're significant, and, and you, you matter to me. A, a, a praise, the idea of blessing, it be blessing God, it means to kiss the ring, to bow before God, to give adoration to him, not just because of what he does, but because of who he is. Let your kids see you raising your hands. I'm driving up the highway. I'm raising my hand in the car. I done heard me a good song. God done planted something in my spirit. I want people to know of the good works of God. Here's the second thing. He said, declare the mighty acts to the second generation. That is, share your testimony. Share. How did you get? You weren't always the way you are. The Lord saved you, didn't he? Listen to this. In, 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 in uh, chapter 6 of Deuteronomy, it said, when your sons ask you in times to come, saying, what is the meaning of these testimonies and statutes and judgments which the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, we were slaves in Pharaoh, but the Lord, ha, I once was lost. Now you, can, you, can, you don't have to be a preacher to do who. I once was lost. Ha. But now you can preach. You can, don't, don't preach to your kids. Just share it with them that you once were lost. You were in, you were in slavery, and that the picture of Egyptian slavery is a picture of the bondage of sin. I once was bound by sin. I was on my way to a Christless eternity. But the Spirit of God saw me and looked behind my fault. I don't know what your testimony is. I don't know what your clothes is. But every Christian ought to have a clothes. Every Christian needs to be able to say, this is where God brought me from. And this is why I'm the way I am today. Share your testimony. Share your testimony. Those surgeries that you went through, those times when you didn't always have money, you didn't always live in a nice house, you didn't always know you were going to pass that test. Some of us need to share with people, I flunked a lot of tests before I got to where I am today. Share your testimony of the, of the goodness of the Lord. Then, then he says, oh, this one in, in Deuteronomy, we're almost done. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 18 and 19, he says, and you shall remember. Say remember. Come on, say Remember. The Lord your God, for it is he who gives power to get wealth that he may... Who gives power to get wealth? The Lord, remember, don't you ever get this twisted. It was the Lord who blessed you. It is the Lord who has that, your heart beating in the, in, the, in the center of your chest. It is the Lord who's giving you oxygen in your lungs. It is the Lord who has sustained you. It is the Lord who protected you from seen and unseen dangers. Don't ever get it twisted. He said, remember when I'm blessing you. Remember when I opened up the door for you. Remember when you're enjoying my blessing that it was me who gave you wealth. It was me who gave you favor. Remember, remember, don't get this confused. It was the Lord. It was the Lord. It was the Lord. Let me finish with this. We need to follow, follow the biblical, the biblical mandate. Say follow the biblical mandate. Paul said, and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful women and men who will be able to teach others. The only thing that has kept the legacy of Jesus still alive is we are doing what he commanded. He said, go into all the world and make disciples. How do you make disciples? By reaching people with the good news. 
Paul says, do what you saw us do. We reached you through evangelism. And then we taught you. He said, teach them to do what I have commanded. So you teach them. And then once you have teach, taught them, then you release them to repeat what you did, to reach, to teach, and repeat. So we're making disciples that make disciples. That's what the Lord has left us here for. Well, I thought it was for that car. Nope, 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 nope. Let me conclude with this. Legacy now means the future is now. You're sowing stuff today that you're going to reap 10 years from now. Your future is today. What you, what you are giving your time and your conversations to is what you are going to harvest. I'm a Twilight Zoner. Stand with me. And uh, one of the episodes is called Rip Van Winkle. And it's about, if you know the story of Rip Van Winkle, this, it has to do with going to sleep for a long time. A scientist came up with a scheme of how to rob a train that had over $100 million heading to Fort Knox. Uh, that, where's the place that they... Yeah, Fort Knox, yeah, he know about that money stuff. So, but you don't get away with robbing Fort Knox. So he developed these hyperbolic chambers that you could sleep in that had perfect oxygen flow, that if you got inside these chambers, you could go to sleep and remain alive, though sleep, for up to 100 years, and like a time clock, it would wake you up and then so the goal was steal the money, and then 100 years later. So they hid in, in, in a cave, one of the deserts, and the plan was just working perfectly. They got into the hyperbolic chambers. 100 years had passed. They get out. Three of the four still alive. One of them died because a brick had fallen on his hyperbolic chamber and broke it. It was nothing but bones. And so they get out and they're high-fiving. Oh, we made it. We, we got this heist. We're going to be, you know, look at, look at all this money we got. What they hadn't realized that that hundred years, money had become obsolete. <laughs> the truck that they had became, there was no gas for trucks. And everything that they had invested their lives in and believed that was going to make them finally arrive, it had no value in the future. I don't know about you. You, you. you don't look like Rip Van Winkle to me. But what are you investing in? What value will your, your actions today have for your future in terms of the harvest that you will receive? And how people are going to be blessed beyond you. Start today because the future is now. Somebody say amen. amen. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name.